Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Sophie Robinson. And I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And today, folks, <gasps> it's time to talk about Christmas! Oh God! Ding, 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 All right, all right, <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, it's that happy, jolly no, don't time sing. of <laughs> If there's anything guaranteed to make me more screwed, it's you singing yes, in my living room. I'm here. I'm your worst nightmare. I think you might be the ghost of all my <laughs> Christmases at once. We are, as Christmas comes, all too aware that times are tough. And while we all want to push the boat out at this time of year, well, it may be more of a dinghy than a cruise liner this time. So we thought we would bring you ideas for a fabulous but thrifty kind of Christmas. Yeah, because we all know the cost of Everything has gone up this year, especially food. And there's less money for the pretty stuff, like decorations. So we thought it would be good to bring you some expert advice on food, floristry and decor. And, well, how to eat well and make things look great on a bit of a shoestring. Hopefully, at the very least, a sparkly shoestring. (laughs) Coming up, we chat to an award-winning food writer, an award-winning horticulturist and, well, you get the idea. Some experts, like us too, (laughs) who all have some great ideas to help you this Christmas. So Kate, before we start and get into it, have you got any uh, thrifty ideas of your own? Well, I have to say maybe it was growing up in the 70s, but my present ideas all used to come from Blue Peter, which for for those of you who didn't grow up in the UK is a sort of iconic children's show of the 1970s, well and and on, still still going. going. Um, And I used to make all my presents, so there was the classic... Get an orange, stick cloves into it, tie a ribbon around it, hang it in the wardrobe. Are still scarred. Yes, pushing cloves in oranges. Was it called a a pomander? A pomander. Yes. So that would scent your wardrobe and keep the moths away. Then there was the classique of the desk tidy made from empty loo rolls and washing up bottles. You'll find that's a classic of the homemade Christmas present genre. Actually, both my children have made me those at times. And here's one I made earlier, yeah. so we had to slip that in there. And then there was the 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 other classic, the peppermint fondant. Oh, Which yes. was a no cooking. I can't remember how you do it, but it's I remember... a lot of icing sugar. Uh, yeah. Some peppermint essence, essence. isn't it? And, and you... if you went too heavy on the essence, it all went horribly wrong. I remember making it with, with great care for my great-grandmother, who at the time was 98. And she opened the box, looked at me really disdainfully and said, well, everyone knows I hate peppermint. (laughs) 
crushed. With the homemade gift. Mind you, this was a woman who allegedly kept the jewellery on the left-hand side of her bra, so um, she, she perhaps had grander ideas than homemade peppermint fondant. She kept jewels in her bra? Apparently, yeah. Never you might come along and steal them. I don't know if it's true. It's one of those family stories. Well, I, like you, am a child of, well, not the 70s, more the 80s, but I was still very much on the Blue Peter train. And my mum as well always really encouraged us to make stuff. I mean, in terms of making gifts, am I allowed to say that I feel quite time poor around Christmas and actually getting out the loo rolls and the sticky back plastic and even sticking cloves and oranges is a bit beyond me. But I have one thing that I make as a bit of a nice Christmas gift and that's making raw chocolates. What do you mean raw chocolate? Yeah, they're really easy to do. So you get raw cacao. We well, see the thing is, is you can say that they're a health benefit. Oh, okay. Because yeah. they, uh, raw cacao is really good for you. It's high in magnesium and lots of other things. And it's a very grown-up thing. This is not for kids. This is a adult gift because it's a very thing. intense flavour. It's a really intense flavour. But they're every time I've given them to people, they've absolutely loved them. It's raw cacao, raw cacao butter, and which you kind of melt in a jamboree, and then you put them in this. What silicone. do you mean you melt it in a jamboree? Not a jamboree, a bombery. <laughs> We have a party. It's a bun marie. It's a bun marie. See, cooking is not my comfortable it's place. It's a shallow it? dish of hot yeah. water. Yeah, yeah. You do that to melt it. Uh, it's very satisfying. And then you mix the raw cacao. And then you can flavour it, a bit of orange essence. Or you could put your peppermint essence in. And then you can add, like, sometimes you can add little cranberries or raspberries or little bits. Bit of chilli. Bit of chilli. Like a single drop of chilli oil. I love chilli yes. chocolate. Well, oh, remember that then. Yes, yes do. Yes. And Should, then... Do you want me to text it to you? Because you won't remember. <laughs> this is what chocolates. I want for Christmas. It's like a luxury gift. Because if yeah. you were to buy these chocolates in the shops, they're super expensive. Yeah, yeah. But actually buying the ingredients, not so much. And then you just put them in the fridge and you set them. So, I mean, the desk tidy made from washing up bottles is perhaps kids' presents. But that idea of food, I think, is a really good present. Whether you're, you know, making jam or biscuits or chocolates. So my mum, it's all she about gets, the presentation. She gets then. really into her. Because yeah. you know my mum's, like, big into her allotment. Yeah, so her, does she make chutney? She makes a lot of chutney. I love we chutney. We all get loads of chutney for yeah. Christmas. I'll make sure you get a jar of that as well. So I'm getting some raw chilli chocolates and some, some chutney. chutney. It's nice. I'll tell you the other thing she does, which... Yeah. I particularly enjoy slow gin because we have slow uh, oh. slow bushes in our garden. So she does all that and she pricks them all out and she puts them in there. Or vodka, vodka or gin. I'm well, and also thing. you can do that. Well, I'm slightly nervous about people's hedges, but I mean, those are sort of foraging yeah, things, aren't course. they? And, yeah. and you can get at the right time of year, which I think this isn't. You know, people make elderflower wine and elderflower mm. cordial and things. And if so, you think a little bit ahead, I was maybe a bit late for me to bring up the slow gin thing. Because, yeah, you've missed the boat. Because it's got to slow. Marinate's not the right word, is it? You Ferment. leave them in the cupboard for a long time. Next yes. year. Next, Next year, people. Year. But I prefer that to anything else, quite frankly. Anything that gets me a bit drunk. <laughs> different show it's a different show <laughs> so on that note of food let's hear should we should we roll in our first guest well, you, roll him in roll him in <laughs> because i'm gonna be honest i'm quite limited with my food <laughs> inspiration she's got the fanciest Christmas. kitchen you've ever seen but what what is it all the gear and no idea oh, oh. <laughs> 
Anyway, we're going we're gonna to roll in our first guest, Ed Smith, who's got some brilliant ideas for inexpensive meals that, well, can feed a lot of people. Now, Ed goes by at Rocket and Squash on Instagram. He's an award-winning food and recipe writer. Ed once had a sensible career as a city lawyer, but he gave it all up to retrain as a chef. He's written several books, including Crave, where the recipes are arranged, get this, not alphabetically, but by the sort of flavour you might fancy for your dinner. So you can Ooh. look up, oh, tonight I want something hearty or something spicy or something light. I love that. I love that. And he has repeatedly been shortlisted for Cookery Writer of the Year alongside the likes of Ottolenghi and Diana Henry. So he's proper. We got a proper guest for you. (laughs) And his other book, which I love, is called On the Side and contains 140 side dishes, many of which are suitable for vegetarians and which can also be happily moved from side to centre stage. So, Ed, welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. So, Ed, we've just been discussing our childhood thrifty presents and Kate used to make uh, (laughs) peppermint fondants for her very unappreciative grandma. I've um, up-levelled and I'm now making posh adult raw chocolates. Is there anything that you like to cook or bake for friends at Christmas? I'm trying to get tradition back into our routine of Christmas. I've got a young son and we've been floating around different houses for the last few years and last year was the first year that we managed to get a kind of sweet spice baked biscuit thing going on. You know where you sort of roll out a nice dough, there's shovel loads of cinnamon and nutmeg in it and um, ginger and use, use cutters to cut it out and he really enjoyed doing that and I really felt actually for the first time as an adult <laughs> um, <laughs> that we were kind of starting the Christmas traditions again and that was really nice and obviously you make loads so you've got to give them away haven't you? Yeah I think you've got to keep it simple with me Ed. I'm here for the simple. When you said you know when you're rolling out your biscuits I'm going to admit she I've, doesn't ne- know. I've never made she a biscuit doesn't in know. my life. <laughs> I should add that this new tradition that started last year with somebody else making the dough for me so that was all fine. Oh, yeah. So it's not Fanny Craddock first wipe down your marble worktop. It's first call in your dough maker. Right. <laughs> first have your dough delivered. Yeah, first find a friend who's more organised than you and then and go from well, there. Well, I think for me, one of the biggest challenges around Christmas is the time pressures we all feel. There's so much to organise, isn't there? Especially if you're entertaining, if you've got people coming to you... There's yep. there's so much to do. So anything that I know we're talking about thrifty Christmas, but anything that's thrifty on pennies and time mm. is is the winner for me. Do you know, one of my favourite things at the moment, but will also definitely be the case over Christmas, are jarred posh beans and chickpeas, Ooh. which doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily sound like it's thrifty when I say they're posh to start with, because they're more expensive than buying a can of tin beans. But there's a couple of companies, Bold Bean Co. and Navarico, and you, they're in all the supermarkets now. It's If you see beans or chickpeas in a jar, you just kind of know that they taste better than in a tin. Already, they're seasoned, they're cooked beautifully, and they're really nice. And they go a long way. So you can just blitz up these beans to make a, a hummus instead of buying a hummus. And they, they taste, they'll taste better than anything you buy, just like that. But also, because they're already cooked, whether it's a side dish or a platter at a, like a buffet kind of thing, or you just want a quick meal with lots of, you know, because you have people around, tipping this jar of beans into a saucepan takes three or four minutes to warm it up. You some fresh herbs, some olive oil, some parmesan. That is the, the, one of the tastiest things you'll have that day. And it is a thrifty way to do it, not necessarily because it's the cheapest bean to buy, but because of the value you're getting from those beans. Mm. And the other thing I heard you say that made my ears pricked up was when you said, yeah, and garnish it with parmesan and herbs. 
those are the little hacks that elevate everything. It's garnish, it? It's, it's all a in a garnish. garnish. But it's also, that's also on, on a sort of thrifty point, like, because at Christmas we all look for the recipes that for some reason we never cooked them before, we'll never cook them again, but because it's Christmas you've read through a magazine or a book, you start doing it. You're so it right. Means it, it means that you've bought some dill, which you've used for one tiny little thing, and it means you've got some creme fraiche, or it means you've got some parmesan, and, and the real thrift is to not waste it. So I know that hopefully mum won't listen to this, because I'm about to say something rude, which is that typically if we have fresh herbs or something like that at home, she's overly thrifty with the use of it. And I think you've just got to be a bit more generous. Like the overall cost of throwing some herbs onto something is is not that high. The, the other thrifty thing for me is for Christmas is don't buy smoked salmon. Oh, see, that is a bit of a tradition for many households, isn't it? Yeah, so- it is. This, this is a really hard thing. But I, as there's a slightly separate point, which is I think smoked salmon is not a great thing to eat in the moment because the way that it's, if it's farmed, it's just not a good product. Ethically, we should avoid. E- ethically and ecologically, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not great. But that's probably, that's probably for another podcast. But but on a cost basis, smoked mackerel. I love smoked mackerel. It's delicious. And just to make smoked mackerel pate instead of buying loads of smoked salmon. And, and that means, and this is not to be, you know, daunting in its preparation. It's literally mashing it up with a fork, chucking some yogurt. If you've got some creme fraiche or, or cream from a different, again, recipe that hasn't used the whole pot, put that in as well. Some other dill or tarragon or something else, parsley. Any, any herbs in there, you mash it together and you've got a bowlful, a huge bowlful of of pate for the same price as a tiny tiny little jar that you might buy of smoked salmon or a few shreds of, of salmon that you've bought oh ed we're just having a tea delivery oh, thanks good. mrs Jesus. miggins <laughs> could you keep it down there in the kitchen please how about if you've got friends and family coming to christmas and you're the host inviting people to bring a dish is that a thing do you recommend and if so how do you coordinate something like that because that would spare the cost and the mm. and the load wouldn't it that is a thing isn't it I mean, i'm gonna make um... it a thing yeah okay in fact i've been making it a thing for <laughs> <laughs> sophie just provides the table and the plates yes, basically I, do. I find that there's always people who think they have a skill set there's always going to be two or three people that think they're the bakers so let's let's let them do that have you got a sort of fail safe recipe that you'll bang out on christmas eve or or that or that what do they call it that bit between christmas and Twixmas new year christmas cake <laughs> that bit this, and this isn't fail safe because if you don't eat meat it doesn't work but i often between christmas and new year will end up having some sausage meat based dish which doesn't sound very glamorous at all but when you're doing that shopping you sort of grab an extra that's usually a pack, isn't it? A pack of flavoured sausage meat for stuffing that they supermarkets suddenly have loads on their shelves for. It's such a good ingredient because it's already been seasoned with like nutmeg and it tastes Christmassy. And you can just use it to make like uh, the equivalent of a meatball pasta. Oh, I love that. Clever. So you just take the pack of sausage meat, roll into little balls, tiny bit of frying, you need to have it in a tomato sauce or more of that creme fraiche that I keep on talking about that someone else made you buy for a different recipe or cream. And suddenly you've got a delicious Christmassy wintry pasta dish that can just be chucked together in a few minutes can you put a festive twist on it because a lot of those sausage meat packs around christmas are like flavored with chestnuts or mm-hmm. other christmasy yeah, yeah. flavors does that yeah. work can you have a christmas christmas totally. the twist is the christmas twist is that you need to shred the extra sprouts that no one's eating and have them just always put... brought up the sprout word clever you know, if you if you shred as in cut finely sprouts um they take maybe 30 to 90 seconds to cook if you're sautéing it in a pan just so they're like nice and they suddenly become bright green they don't go stinky and farty at that point (laughs) it's they're really delicious and it's at the end of the pasta dish 
meatballs will be frying with some onion and garlic maybe throw in some sprouts and then the creme cream and that's the sauce done in sort of five minutes max it's a really clever idea to stretch a meal isn't it because as you say that's the thing where you might you you might think there's four of you and then you know someone turns up and there's more the other thing i saw there was a i thought quite a clever advertising campaign for one of the supermarkets last year where they were saying if you're making a shepherd's pie Mm -hmm. substitute half the meat for some beans or Mm. something so it's a you're eating less meat which is better for you the plant and everything else but also i'm thinking that's quite a thrifty way yeah to make your ingredients go further meat is so expensive now isn't it so it is yeah definitely definitely whether it's lentils is another good one particularly if you've kind of got that mince-based meal which i mean so many of us do have a bolognese or equivalent or shepherd's pie or equivalent of it in our back pocket as one of the staple things we do so you don't need to not do that because it's december the 27th like you can still have that but as you say if you chuck in some lentils or also one of the nicest things i think is when a lasagna is not that meaty but has got imagine you've got leftover roast squash because you did loads for christmas day or the day after or you know you can either Add it to your your tomato ragu, or as you say, have a have a layer of squash. Because once you've bitten into it, it's all the same thing, right? Yeah. Mm. Don't put this out in Italy because that will be me cancelled. It's like <laughs> it's, it's like it's like yeah. posh bubble and squeak, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, bubble and squeak is a real. I reckon. I feel that bubble and squeak's been overlooked as a dish. Mm. Yeah, I used to love it's bubble been left and squeak in the seventies. I love Definitely. it. Definitely. And then put your uh, shaved parmesan and your parsley on the top, and you. Oh yeah, you dill. Bit of dill. Yes. <laughs> but do you have things that for you are big family? meals or things you tend to make every year or you're just you mentioned your son you're just starting your Christmas traditions well yeah we I think we probably are I'm I've got three brothers and we so we always had a big family Christmas at ours and mum and dad have only they've just sold the house the family house after 50 years so that this is the first year that we're not going to be at least most of us in in the same thing and so for that that Christmas tradition of me I guess cooking first of all helping mum and then cooking Christmas dinner at what I call home, uh, which is my childhood childhood home, has now stopped. And so I'm trying to start the new things with my much smaller family. But I will still make two stuffings, one sausage meat based, one bread, crumb and lemon and parsley based. I'm not really that interested in the turkey or whatever the meat is. I like the bits around the side. Yeah, me too. It's all about the accoutrements. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's like it's really about having all the extra trimmings. I think that make me feel like it's Christmas, which is actually completely opposite to what I think it should be. Really, we should just have like a chicken pie and a big bowl of mashed potato and some greens and that would be a much less stressful Christmas <gasps> yeah. oh my gosh that's exactly what I'm going to do that's it you've just sorted are out are you going to do that on Christmas oh, day why now why not that's yeah. well I've got nine people coming half of them are vegetarian it does get quite confusing yeah. and I'm thinking I could do a chicken pie for the meat eaters yeah. and, one and the mushroom and pie. pie exactly yeah. exactly that's a, I think honestly I think that it's a whenever we started the turkey if someone had said actually we, the tradition is a puff pastry or suet crust top pie then um the country would be in a better place (laughs) (laughs) and on that note (laughs) the only other things i thought about saying make a batch of soup now freeze it cooking something in advance to fill those days or uh, people's the annoying people that says i'm hungry when you've just you know spent hours cooking uh the meal that's every teenage boy in the country (laughs) this is my my inner self but i'm not soup hungry Wait for that. Uh, my, my answer is going to be soup, though, because, you know, if you if you make 
a batch of soup now, it will sit in the freezer happily. And you've got a few, if you've got a few of those extra little yogurt pots and stuff that you've, you've worked your way through the week. And, and um, I, this weekend, made far too much of a, like a roast tomato and roast squash soup, sort of roast the two things together, different spices on each, blend them up. Roasting yeah. the veg for yes. your soup. Does that sort of increase the flavour or something? Totally, yeah, because you've got, a much more intense vegetable um, because it's sat in an oven and dried out and got more intense and it's got caramelly flavours and you've put loads of spices in it. Mm. So, yeah, and then that all just gets plonked in with some stock and blitzed up. And and I know that the extra pots that I've saved from that are going to be absolute lifesavers when, when one of us is hungry or if someone can make... Actually, soup is an amazing thing for if you accidentally have an extra family come over for, for tea. You know, they pop in and they stay. <laughs> and if you've got two litres of soup in the freezer and some crusty bread that you can put some cheese on and toast. Because you, you get a bit bored of saying, oh, there's some cheese and ham in the fridge, because there is. But, um, but actually, if you've got a warm meal that no one's had to cook, you just have to stick it in a saucepan or on the microwave. I just think it's a no-brainer. Ed, that's been absolutely brilliant. I want to do all those now. Chicken pie. Chicken, Chicken pie, pie and mash is the new Christmas lunch. <laughs> Ed, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your time. Oh, my pleasure. And we will... Obviously, put links to the books on both the Insiders newsletter and generally on the show notes. And Ed, before you go, we will, of course, allow their guests their plug. You have a new book coming out. I do next spring, but there's always time to pre-order a book called Good Eggs uh, coming out next March. It's just a book about good eggs, which sounds a bit trivial, but I think everyone loves eggs and you can just embellish them very easily to make it the ultimate fast food, whether it's breakfast, lunch or dinner. And that's what it is. Ooh, Amazing. Intrigued. Love an egg. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ed. That's fantastic. Bye-bye. Oh, he was brilliant, wasn't he? Amazing. I might even get into soup, and I hate soup. And I might be making chicken pies and putting shredded sprouts in my pasta. Who that, knew? That's a, that idea <laughs> of buying sausage meat, which yes. will, of course, will be discounted after Christmas because yes. everybody's over the Christmas stuffing. Genius. Yes. Here for it. Thank I you, Ed. I love that. So on to other areas where we can be festive yet thrifty. And we've got to talk about decorations, haven't we? Christmas decks, the Christmas tree, the wreaths, decking the halls with boughs of holly, tra-la-la-la-la, all of that. (laughs) Yeah, well, Um, that's going to be very cheap for me this year because obviously I've moved house and I've lost the entire lot. So... (laughs) so much cheap as non-existent yeah exactly just not having any this year we're done you lost your Christmas decorations well I think I mean obviously regular listeners will know we've bought a house in Italy we're doing up I'm wondering if they'll turn up there but I can't find them in this house everybody (laughs) always loses something in a move don't they I've lost the Christmas decks okay so my first tip potentially isn't going to help you because my first tip is just don't buy any new Christmas decorations (laughs) you might might have a rethink on that one (laughs) but you're you're right I mean the thing I've never understood about Christmas and 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 you know we can lament the the rampant consumerism you know all you like but I when I had my Christmas decorations were very much things that I'd had for many years. I used to buy perhaps one new decoration a year to add to the tree and build mm, up a collection. That's a nice tradition, isn't it? Exactly. And I think a lot of people do that. But um, obviously, I'm going to have to start again from scratch this year. But I've never understood that. This year, I will be having a blue tree. Mm. This year, I will be having a pink tree. I mean, that just seems to me that to be... That needs to stop, doesn't well, it? Well, I think so. And it's expensive. 
It's expensive and it's not sustainable. Yeah. What, what, where are all those baubles go? In the loft. There must be just hundreds of boxes of different colored yeah. baubles. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is it's quite easy for you and I to say don't buy new because we've come to a point in our life where that one bauble a year is actually grown into quite a substantial stash. I yeah. do have a lot of Christmas decorations and I don't change the theme. It's the same theme every year. It's all the colors, multicolored, yeah. quite vintage little bit of kitsch because I'm not adverse to that and that to me brings in a sense of tradition and nostalgia which I feel Christmas is all about however if you haven't built up your stash of Christmas decks yet maybe you're starting out or as you've lost Kate, them you've lost them all <laughs> Don't underestimate buying secondhand. I've bought a lot of really beautiful decorations on eBay, Facebook Marketplace in the past, charity shops. Yeah. You can definitely, well, this goes for everything, doesn't it? But don't underestimate that you can get great decks secondhand. Well, and also on that note, I would say start as soon as possible. Mm. Um, Because there are people who don't quite think about it till the last minute. Well, by the time of this podcast, there's not much time. So get on there quick. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Before Kate buys them all. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I will be elbowing you out of all the way in the charity shop trying to get to that box. Because there's baubles. also the other thing is buying them in the sales after Christmas. But I'm just never that into it by then. I don't feel like buying Christmas decorations. I mean, they might be slashed by half price, uh, but you've got to be pretty organised to buy your Christmas well, decks and on also, Boxing Day, haven't you? Well, and also the losing. I mean, people used to talk. I think what my aunt used to do that would buy all her wrapping paper and her Christmas cards the oh, week after Christmas. I do do that. Christmas. I do, do like you? to buy my Christmas cards in the sale. I oh, do do that. Because they can get really expensive. Yeah. Christmas cards and the stamps and so if you've else. missed it for this year get in there on the 28th of December and buy it all ready for next year <laughs> future you will be very thankful of what you say past you for yes. being very organized this year it's too late you've blown yes, it yes we're talking in November uh, this yeah. isn't going to help another thing to do of course is reinvent what you already own um and this isn't something I've personally done but Instagram and TikTok is always awash with it. People spray painting their baubles. So if you are someone who did blue last year and actually really fancies pink this year, you could just spray paint your baubles. Very easy to do. Kate's looking at me with concern. You're not happy with this kind of spray paint. Are you? I'm it's not your so thing. rubbish <laughs> at spray painting. I don't quite under- Everybody's like, oh, I just sprayed this lamp that I picked up for nothing. And oh, I just, you know, sprayed a radiator. I sprayed something I can't even remember what it was I said to I said to the mad husband he was like this is the wrong color and I it's fine it's absolutely fine we will spray paint it I clearly have seen one person do this on Instagram I'm an expert how hard can it be oh my god I mean I killed the grass <laughs> I got spray paint all over everything the drips the whole it was a disaster so when I next suggested spray painting something my husband was like no it's cheaper to buy it new <laughs> just you know the devastation it caused so yeah by all means people spray your baubles but you know <laughs> just saying there's a, yeah, there's a warning like with everything else my motto when the cash is tight is go hard on colour I think you can if you can get like a few really colourful bits of decor whether it's a really colourful door wreath some big statement baubles on the tree if you can go for one of those jewel bright colours you get a lot more bang for your buck this is your, the, the distraction technique isn't yes. it it's what they do in magic it's like don't look at the fact I haven't got very many but I've got one really big one <laughs> And that's all you're going to see. I mean, it's not bad as a tactic. Yeah. yeah, no, it is. So I think, you know, if you if you if you haven't got collected very many decorations for me, it's quite hard to do that very minimalist. 
I mean, this is personal taste again, isn't it? I'm just hearing myself. But I just like there's something a bit sad about a tree with not too many baubles if they're all just white or grey or silver. So I think you can really do that by... Is there not one opportunity for you minimalists out there to embrace a bit of colour and a bit of pizzazz in your life over Christmas? Or, or I was wondering... You don't have to have a massive tree. If you if you're short on decorations, rather yeah, than having a huge tree with a with a sparse amount of decorations, yeah, buy a small tree and and cram it. You know, yeah. have a small tree on a table or on a chair. It doesn't have to be a sort of you know. Yeah, sticking a small tree on a table is a brilliant idea yeah. actually, and it elevates it and gives it the height. And then you've actually got the room underneath the table to put all the presents around yeah. anyway. So that's yeah, that gives you a lot more bang for your buck too. If you can't do the colour thing, and actually even for people who do the colour thing, do you know the other hack that I use to make everything look amazing at Christmas is the lights. Are and we unbanning fairy lights just for I've Christmas? Never, I think we are. I've never <laughs> banned for I'm a fan of a fairy light because I think it's all about creating that atmosphere and that sparkle. And because we've got the really short days around Christmas as well, you know, come four o'clock, you can whack your yeah. lights on and it's just... Oh, it's just nectar for the soul. It just feels so lovely and warm and sparkling. Go for warm Christmas lights. I think I've said this every year. Step away from the cool white. You want a warm white. And I personally don't like multicoloured ones, but then I wouldn't, would I? You wouldn't. I'd allow a multicoloured light. On a tree. But I... (laughs) Oh, she's got rules and caveats. Honestly, I've got only. rules. But yes, warm, warm lights. And you can get battery operated ones that, you know, yeah. you can put in vases. We had in our last house, um, I bought a string of, of warm white fairy lights that uh, we wound up the banisters. So we put these fairy lights up the one Christmas and they made the hall so pretty that we never used the big light again. We never took them off. Oh, nice. Because yeah, it was had... a lovely warm tink twinkly yeah it looked really nice up the banister and then we had to redecorate and we had to cut them off because we'd wound them around so many times it's a disaster (laughs) but I think we must have had a handy socket but you can get battery operated ones can't you and And the great thing about LEDs as well is I believe they don't even cost that much to run well stat oh she's got a stat got a stat listen to this people this is a good stat if you have a string of lights of about 200 LEDs and that will use about six watts of power your electricity bill is going to increase. It's going to increase by 27p if you have the lights on for six hours a day for 22 days. So that's pretty much December. Money well spent. Yeah. December, fairy lights on, six hours a day, 27p, your bill will go up. And that's a huge difference to the, to the atmosphere. Yeah, well, I think, because, I, you know, the electricity bills are a concern and I'm already feeling the anxiety this time of year because our heating's come on now and like, mm. you know we've got all the lights on more as the night's drawing in it is something to worry about but that's nice to know that you could literally flood your house with yeah. fairy lights and uh, and it because they're LEDs I guess they're low energy yeah. aren't they so you yeah. can get all that lovely twinkling atmosphere without and you can as we said electricity bill. battery ones you can put them in clear bowls you can put them around pictures you can have them dotted around up your banisters around your pictures i mean there's you know you can you can put them everywhere and they just make it really pretty and twinkly i, I like a fairy light at christmas now another area where we could think of cutting costs when it comes to decor is gift wrapping oh and well this is the age-old sustainability question as well yes. isn't it? now you have shared in podcasts previously that you like to use newspaper 
Well, I have used newspaper. I once did. You like a Financial Times? I like a Financial Times because it's pink (laughs) with some black ribbon. I do quite like that. But I have done black and white newsprint with tartan ribbon. Yes, a bit more Christmassy. But yes, that's a that's a good way to use up paper. I'm quite a fan of the uh, brown paper because I've got a collection of really really bright coloured ribbons. Now because I host Christmas every year it means when people have opened their presents I can go around and keep all the ribbons oh yes and then I just use them next year they just go round and round and round again yeah. every year so I've got good quality lovely ribbon which I think really elevates a brown paper parcel but it never gets thrown out so yeah. it's again it's that reuse 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 I think too much comes in and goes straight in the trash if you can keep hold of anything then, uh, and then isn't there that idea. thing with Christmas paper? I mean, I think it's now getting easier to buy sustainable wrapping paper. But I read if you're buying, if your paper, if you crinkle it and it stays crinkled, mm. then it's more likely to be recyclable than if you crinkle it and it bounces, bounces back, back out. It's quite plastic then, then it's got it? plastic in it. So that's one that's to avoid. Good. I mean, obviously, you can't go around the shops crinkling the paper. But if you're reusing paper or wondering, you know, whether to keep it or not. Finally, on my uh, decor saving tips, bit of a contentious one, but I'm considering ditching the crackers this year. They're mm. so expensive, Christmas crackers, and they're for a moment of pop. And then it always it's just tat isn't it tat, which i always tat. end up sweeping off the dining room floor because everyone's just dropped them on the floor and forgotten yeah. about it which always leaves me feeling a bit bad yeah is it time to ditch the cracker what do you i mean i'm asking literally the christmas humbug what she thinks well, yeah. <laughs> you're like yeah ditch it all yeah get rid of it all we don't want any of that um i mean you're right there's something so exciting about the idea of a cracker but I mean that I think it, it all comes down it's packaging and packaging and marketing isn't it because when you you might be given giving someone quite a boring present but if it's beautifully wrapped it looks so much mm. more exciting and I think the cracker is that ultimate it's not for me it's not the bang I mean that just makes everybody upset but it's that it's the surprise and the problem with the cracker is the surprise is always a disappointment and what, what about the hats because I no That's one wants the... to wear the hat. Oh, see, we all wear the hats in oh, our house. Oh, do you? We do. Maybe you get all the hats, real hats, and you give everybody a hat to wear, like a real hat. It's got to be a really oh. crap paper hat. <laughs> <laughs> it just has to be. I mean, you know, obviously I'd love to wear some fabulous crown or something, but yeah. I think it's the naffness for me that I got to Well, <laughs> that's the kind of thing about Christmas, isn't it? It's when you're allowed to be naff. What, yeah. Watching um, Auntie Marjorie fall asleep on the sofa with a hat slipping down her yeah. nose is always uh, there for comedy. I mean, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because every year there will be, in all the supplements in the run-up to Christmas, there'll be loads of articles on how to make your own crackers. Oh, does anybody do that? Come but, on. But it costs a fortune. You know, if you're going to put something decent in, it costs mm. a lot of money. Maybe I'll get some reusable ones then yeah. this year. and make them. And decide what to put in them. And I could put a raw chocolate in it or a little... I think you could put two. Could you stretch to two? (laughs) Little peppermint fondant going in there. Well, let us know what you think about crackers. Where do you stand on the great Christmas cracker debate? (laughs) The other area where it can be really easy to spend a fortune is trees and flowers. So for this segment of the show, we've called in another expert, Hazel Gardner no pun intended, who, like Ed, has had a dramatic career switch. She started out as a broadcast journalist working in fashion and, following the diagnosis of a rare form of cancer, decided to reassess her priorities. She developed a detailed knowledge of how flowers can bring an event to life and retrained in 2016. And she's going to share her ideas with us for elevating your Christmas decorations with flowers and plants. 
So Hazel, welcome to The Great Indoors and it's lovely, well I can see you because we're on a Zoom call and you're, you're in your beautiful studio surrounded by inspiration and plants but we met at Chelsea Flower Show, didn't we? So it's, it's nice to be reconnected to you. Yes, it's wonderful to be here, thank you so much for having me, it's a, I'm such a huge fan of the pod. Well I'm a real fan of yours too and for me and I know plenty of our other listeners, yeah, you know, there's the food and there's there's the presents, but actually the real delight is getting to decorate our home for this particular season and making our home feel fresh and different and vibrant and a really welcoming space for all the family and friends that we might have visiting. And for me, it's all about the flowers and the plants and the foliage. I mean, I, for one, just love the bonkersness of having a real living tree suddenly well I was gonna say we've all got used to bringing flowers into the house in a tasteful vase on a weekly basis or whatever but yes let's oh it's Christmas let's bring the trees in I think I think anyone that knows me knows that I'm normally surrounded by nature but exactly for most of us it's quite a strange thing to do and if you think about it to have like a massive living natural tree in your house is it's a bit bizarre but actually wonderful and as you say for me I love working with nature because it's so immersive so it is a time for fragrance and kind of really bringing in what we see outside and and really enjoying it inside Um, but there's loads of tips and tricks for telling people how to do it you know many of us will be on a budget this year and you know there's actually a lot of people who are really concerned about sustainability at this time of year which is why it's fantastic to talk to you because I'm very much about using things that are seasonal but also really easy to find and really accessible for people to use. Can we start with the tree because I'm guessing you are a fan of a real tree rather than an artificial tree have I got that right yes now it's it's oh gosh it's very polarizing topic in floral circles (laughs) is it (laughs) because people automatically may think oh real tree that's really bad for the environment but if we think about it these trees have been farmed you know and it's people's livelihoods and actually it's really nice that people can bring something fresh in but that said I understand that not many people have got 80 pounds 100 oh my gosh to 250 pounds to spend on a tree so a faux tree might work more for them so I am very open-minded yeah you're open-minded I think for me the, the thing is is that is you're right I've seen real trees go up in price year on year on year and they are becoming quite the treat to buy a real tree and then you've got you've always yes. got to buy the real one unless you keep it mm-hmm. potted in your garden which some people can do then you've got to repeat it next year. Whereas the investment in a faux tree, while that might be expensive once, it is obviously something you could and indeed should use year on year because the thing is with a plastic tree it comes with a quite a hefty carbon footprint but if you keep it for 12 years this is the thing yeah you know you that's paid off hasn't it yeah so if you have the faux tree what do you recommend in terms of decor to make it feel less plasticky have you got any tips on that the thing i try and use is i actually use a lot of dried flowers on my tree oh nice and it's something we do in the studio as well as often if we do a large event then we do mix faux with fresh and I I think just um, adding in fresh elements just just take down the kind of high shine, if you say, of um, kind of um, plastic trees. So yeah, I use things like allium heads. Um, I can you can spray them different colours, and then I also use like little bundles of um, dry flowers, almost like a natural hanging decoration. So I have like little little posies if you think in your mind of what that might look like and then kind of like dangle them from the tree. Another way to counterbalance a faux tree is also to use 
natural decoration. So I use a lot of wood, a lot of paper decorations, which are hugely popular. I don't know if you remember, I kind of used to see American trees be like, where do they get those paper decorations? And now it's so much easier to find really gorgeous like paper decorations. How are you sourcing your paper decorations? Because actually that's something I get asked a lot. I, I find... Places like eBay quite good for paper balls, but have you got any websites that are good for paper decks? Yeah, so there's uh, places like eBay, Etsy is amazing. But actually, my hack every year is IKEA early in the season. They have some tremendous Christmas decorations. I also use Merry Merry. I actually have a whole kind of Christmas cracker and tablescape range with them. They're fantastic. I just love them. I just think they add such a tactility to to Christmas decorations. Sometimes when you have a, like a lot of plastic going on, although you know it's great. To have colour and baubles in all different um, shapes and sizes. I I prefer a more natural material uh, in my decorations, definitely. But I, there's also a place for all of that jazz <laughs> with baubles, <laughs> which I also have. I'm very geeky. I actually take this is actually a good, really good tip. I take a picture each Christmas of all my decorations, and then I have like three themes that I know fit the living area and then in the sale if I'm buying I just just buy random things I'm like oh that will go with the copper theme that will go with the wood theme and and that's how I curate clever yeah. but it a bit like a wardrobe it really saves over buying because I don't know like how you are but in January sales I will go crazy in a Christmas shop if someone doesn't stop me <laughs> moving on from the tree hazel I wanted to ask because you know that idea perhaps if you haven't got room for a tree we talk a lot or it's become very fashionable to talk about foraging so perhaps you could have you know a big branch that you might decorate if you don't have room for a whole tree but are there rules around foraging I mean if it's on the ground can you have it yes so I think this is really important to note because as you say the word foraging is um, really common in a lot of things that I kind of read about uh, you know bringing the outside in and and decorating and and doing DIY doing things for yourself so what you want to note is you can definitely not uh, pick from any private land or um, community land that is definitely like park or a farmer's land or reserves anywhere that's protected that's completely no go so it's like common areas such as hedgerows or pathways and then what I would say is always just double check because you just don't know especially if you live in a rural area you might be walking through a field and just think it's a common area but it might not be so it's just up to people to do a bit of due diligence before they go out head out as you mentioned anything fallen um, so if I'm looking for branches which I I love kind of suspended branches at this time of year to kind of hang baubles of ribbon and and ivy from. Anything fallen, obviously that's okay. But what I would say if you're foraging is and if you're allowed to forage, is you only want to, if there's an abundance of fresh material, that's great. What you don't want to do is forage from an area that's a very small amount of greenery or flowers and then take half of it. You want to look at what you've got presented in front of you, then take a small ratio, considering how much you're going to leave behind. Because actually at this time of year, things might look like they're kind of, you know, going over or it doesn't really matter. But I'm always aware of insects, you know, the, the forest floor itself is, is a huge hub of food for insects so you just need to be mindful about how much you're cutting the proportional to you know where you're cutting from who owns the land and and just also be aware even if you're in somewhere abundant you do want to leave things for wildlife basically if you forage you don't want it to look like you've even been there if there's a big hole then you've got a problem (laughs) (laughs) well I'm lucky that I live in the countryside and I have a nice big garden and I always make the most of going out and picking the ivy and the branches and it's uh it's a great 
great way of dressing the house. I also tend to snip off some branches from the back of my Christmas tree. Usually the Christmas tree goes in a corner, doesn't it? And quite often it's a bit too big at the bottom. So another tip is to, to cut some branches off the back and use that as well in um, in some other decorations. And I think perhaps I might say, if you're listening to this podcast and you've got your own garden maybe take branches and things from your own garden so that perhaps those who live in flats without any outside space can pick up the branch that's fallen down in the local park. You're sharing a bit more. (laughs) Yes, yes. That's a very lovely community-based idea. I think that's really, really lovely. You know, only forage if you need to. You know, simple as that. Yeah. yeah. And moving on from the foraging to the shop bought, because there's also obviously all the uh, the flower shops in the supermarkets are full of fresh flowers. My sort of understanding is generally foliage is cheaper. So if you can sort of pad things out and you can buy beech branches mm-hmm. and all sorts of things like that from the flower shop, can't you? Yes. And I think they look quite nice this time yeah. of year because they are very Beautiful seasonal. colour. Yes. Yeah. But then it is nice to have some fresh flowers. Mm-hmm. And I know things like the poinsettia, roses and then the Yes. Oh, amaryllis. These are the classic. Yes. And are, and are poinsettias still allowed or have they all got a bit naff? This is, this is all the information I need to know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, with poinsettias, it's that kind of thing where people are like, oh, gosh. But I know that somebody could go to Tesco's and get seven of them and, and, you know, come out with cash still in their pocket. And again, they fuel a massive industry. Um, I think it's just how you arrange these things. You know, you can modernise things. So say with poinsettias, I would definitely like keep them in the in the pots. Don't try and cut them or anything like that. But actually make like a, a table display out of them. Maybe list some things up on. I always collect like old wood slices because the thing is when you're doing like a table display, you want things at different heights if you just have like three poinsettias and just put them down the middle of the table that looks nice but what you can do is create more of a narrative more of a story on the table by lifting the height of things up so you're creating like little plinths exactly exactly and then if you get some like uh, moss sphagnum moss if you if you google that and then you can put it cover the pot so you're almost like you're literally creating like a little outdoor area inside and then as you say amaryllis amaryllis are quite hard because you actually need a really tall vase um, because they're very top heavy so to keep them kind of looking good they've got a very hollow stem so we put cotton wool like um wet cotton wool but you know loose and then literally shove it up the stem yeah yeah or you can get like a very large cocktail stick and kind of put that up the stem to help or like a kebab skewer exactly exactly this is all the unglamorous side of floristry but it's it's super helpful but it makes the flowers last longer because that's my thing if you have spent out and sometimes you know you might just want to buy three amaryllis heads exactly put them in a beautiful vase and that's your statement piece but it's so painful when they start doing that droop exactly to keep the longevity of your flowers tip top it is mainly about the water so water cleanliness water ph and feeding so that so all those things i mentioned are, are basically what what comes in the, the flower food but you do need to change the water it can be painful uh, but if you want that longevity it, it will pay off but then also it doesn't matter if you do that if your house is very hot as as it is at the at, you know for many people at this moment in time because actually very like, hot houses will 
actually make your flowers, you know, dry out and deplete much, much quicker. So it's a kind of hard time of year for a lot of cut flowers. So again, it's like you want to make sure they're maybe in a coolier area, not even, I am actually sitting here and there is sunlight coming through, which is bizarre, but I would never put flowers in direct sunlight. Oh, that's a good tip. You might have a, a fire at this time of year. Don't put your flowers, and this is fresh and dried, don't put them near there because again, that, that heat will, will diminish them. So it's, it's kind of a balance of all these things together. Hydrate Strangers are fantastic to just lop and leave. I've just made that up, but I think it kind of... Uh... Lop and leave. Lop and leave. leave. I'm here for the lop and leave. So yeah, there's things like that. And, and actually foliage you've, you've mentioned quite a lot, which is so lovely because I love branches or foliage. Things like magnolia branches, uh, laurel, anything that's got a really waxy leaf will, will be actually fine in water for much longer than like a helleball, say. So there's, there's ways of navigating it around. So it. waxy leaf waxy if you leaf. like a big branch yes. look for a waxy leaf yeah and those, Good tip. those eucalyptus they last for ages as well don't they i think they they're a do. lovely bit of foliage but yes i say waxy stems because the leaves the waxy leaves they're the ones that have got much higher water content in so when something we call it in the industry something soft um so say you might have birch at the minute it might be young birch it's quite a soft leaf that literally like a soft leaf um so that's gonna probably fade a lot quicker than a, a much kind of tougher waxy leaf such as such as your laurel um which are fantastic to kind of use inside and that's why ivy presumably is good is it because that's very waxy so you can bring that in and just pick it and wind it around a few plants or something uh, picture frames and it won't it won't drop and it's quite yes it can live without water for that it It can it will it will kind of brittle up and go a bit dry over an elongated period but oh my gosh you could have it on your christmas table for you know a week and it'd be fine i don't think that matters i remember last christmas i attempted a foliage cloud. Oh, I love. And uh, I got some chicken wire that I just had lying around because she, she, does. she does. Yes. There's no chicken wire <laughs> lying around in my house. And I made it into a sausage and me and Arthur went into the garden and we just cut a mountain. I mean, as I said, I'm in a very rural area. We cut a mountain of... I didn't know what I was doing. I was cutting waxy leaves, soft leaves, all the leaves. <laughs> and it was surprisingly easy to then just shove all these branches into the chicken wire and very quickly have this really amazing foliage cloud that I hung over the dining table. It might have helped that this was in the conservatory. Mm, which is freezing. Which is freezing. <laughs> that thing lasted months, Did it? foliage cloud. Wow. Honestly, it went on way into the new year. And you're right, some of the branches went crisp and crinkly, but it actually still looks super cool. Well, and this, and, it, it, and it cost you nothing. And that literally cost me nothing. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and this is a joke. And this, the, the idea of... Um, the, the front door wreath into a potato. That's what my granny always what? used to do. Yeah, she used to make a door wreath by getting a potato and sticking all the branches in the potato. I have never heard of this. Well, what do you have? you make a wreath? Oh, I've never heard of this, but I'm loving it. Yeah. <laughs> That's she what she did. She would make a wreath for the front door out and of she potatoes. would get a big, no, out, she'd get one big baking potato yeah. and she'd get a skewer to punch some holes into it and then into the hole she would stick her branches which she'd got and from the hedge the and then she the well she'd cover the potato with the branches and then hang it on the door wow that is a very ingenious way basic what she was doing is using natural floral foam you know that's what yes. she was yeah. doing yeah potato. yeah yeah i thought everybody yeah, did that i, I thought that's I've how you did it that is amazing that. Uh, but that's the kind of techniques that we're all using now you know sustainable floristry techniques i'm adding that to my list amazing because my question before i realized that everybody was stunned by my insider potato knowledge was 
Is the potato helping feed the plants? I wonder if that would have made it last a bit Well, longer. I think there's definitely, obviously, uh, hydrating it in some way. You know, whether the starch yeah. has got something to do with it as well. It's probably a little added Brucey bonus. I'd have to look into the science, but just initially I'm like, well, yeah, there's moisture in that potato. There so- you go. <laughs> One thing that I see as someone who spends a lot of time scrolling on Instagram, and I know a lot of our listeners do as well, and probably TikTok as well, is this slight new trend that I've seen emerging over the last three or four years for what I'm going to call competitive mantle dressing oh gosh so people covering the christmas mantle in the most extraordinary floral foliage extravaganzas Mm -hmm. and i always look at them and think well first of all they are amazing and impressive but second of all i don't have a mantelpiece so i can't even get in on i've definitely seen this i mean i'm i do love a mantelscape i did one myself with um alice vincent actually on her gorgeous mantelscape which is on my instagram for anyone who's interested or using kind of seasonal foliage and a lot of forage bits but what i would say yes it can be very it can be very sad for a lot of people because i don't have a mantelpiece so, so <laughs> that's I, it, Hazel. Yeah, you yeah. and me, we so, can't even get in on the game. Yeah. So, but what I what I do say to people is, if you've got a sideboard, if you've got a coffee table, um, use the middle of your table to essentially do the same thing. I know it isn't kind of on on the back of a wall. A shelf. I actually decorate all our shelves because you you know that's giving you a natural mant- mantle in its own way. Um, I would say chicken wire is your friend, as you know, if you're doing a mantle or potatoes, potatoes, a row of potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, make sure though because a lot of debris will fall over time is that maybe to put some felt down or some cellophane if you if you get given flowers use that cellophane reuse it just always protect your you know surfaces of of your house when you're doing something like that but i think it can be overwhelming because people see these mantelpieces and they can suck in they suck up ingredients okay there's so much there's such a huge quantity are they expensive they look expensive this is not a thrifty christmas idea if you're lucky enough to live in the countryside they're probably really accessible um, if you're in an urban area and you want to recreate it i would just go for one ingredient so as we were talking about before so ivy you know and play with dimensions bunch loads together i'm obsessed with bracken at this time of year which you can actually buy by large armfuls and just the rust color of bracken on a mantelpiece just one ingredient that's it is so striking so i think if in doubt and obviously if you're if you're you know mindful of budget is to use one variety that's really striking and duplicate 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 um that way you'll still get an impactful design without having 30 different varieties of foliage or 20 different you know flowers of flowers and you can you can buy in bulk then as well exactly with any flower with any floristry buying a single variety in bulk is always going to be your saving grace when it comes to saving the pennies and i think also that just looks luxurious it does it doesn't it it's that it's that abundance thing fantastic so many great insights ideas expert knowledge we love it thank you so much for your generosity and for everybody out there you can follow hazel on instagram remind us of your instagram handle hazel at hazel gardener design and gardener is g-a-r-d-i-n-e-r and this december i'll be taking part in winter flowers week which is happening at the garden museum in london's lambeth on the 7th to the 11th of december it will be a real education in how to design in a sustainable way using british seasonal winter flowers and i just can't wait brilliant Brilliant. thank you so much Thank you so much. Uh, I've loved it. Thank you.
Okay, I think that completes our Christmas special. Have we got you on board? Are you excited? Oh, well. Are you going to get your potato out? You're going to get making your chicken pie? <laughs> no, you're making a chicken I'm pie. I'm making a chicken pie. You're getting your potato wreath out. I'm sending you a potato for your, for your mash, <laughs> yes. So many good ideas there. So many good ideas. And thank you so much as well to Ed and Hazel for giving up their valuable time to share with us all. A reminder that all our insiders will get links to all the products mentioned in their weekly newsletter, as well as some bonus shopping ideas. You can sign up at thegreatindoorspodcast.com. We'll be back next week with our monthly star surgery. So do send us those questions and we'll happily offer up our pearls of design wisdom. Simply send us an email or a voice note to help at thegreatindoorspodcast.com. All that remains now is to thank our producer, Sarah Cudden of Feast Collective. And thanks to you lovely lot for listening. And we'll see you in the great indoors.